you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Mandalorian, Jedi Survivor, The Bad Batch, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and uh, today I'm just joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? What's up, Kyle? Doing good. Excited to talk about some more great episodes of The Bad Batch, and as we're recording this episode... Still trying to decide if I should order this Crosshair Black Series figure, which I see is no longer just a Walmart exclusive. As I did, as I did a search for it, as the conversations we had before recording led to talking about Black Series figures, and I'm really tempted to get it. So we'll see if by the time we're done recording this episode, if I did click that order button, because that figure looks awesome. <laughs> well, Tim, we all know how much you love troopers and in particular crosshairs helmet designs so i'm just gonna give you the advice of wise chief palpatine and say do it <laughs> and who am i to not listen just like anakin did so <laughs> <laughs> um well yeah so uh yeah obviously paul's not here with us this week um and this is gonna be kind of more of just kind of a, a fun quick episode we don't have any like big stuff to talk about this week but we are less than two weeks away uh if you can believe that from the premiere of the mandalorian season three uh we've also got jedi survivor on the horizon uh bad batches in full swing right now and uh, i know we talked a lot of bad batch on our last episode but we had two more phenomenal episodes since then um actually three if you want to count this week's that was also pretty dang good so um We'll talk a little bit more Bad Batch. We'll talk some Mando and and just kind of, you know, um, recap a little bit of the recent news and talk about just, you know, what we're getting excited about for this stuff coming up. So um, let's just go ahead and jump into it with uh, Mando Season 3. Like I said, I cannot believe that this is already coming out in uh, just under two weeks as of us recording this. Um, I think I'm doing my math right on that, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's that's that seems insane. It's hard to believe, but yeah, that is right around the corner. Um, and they're starting to do some more, you know, marketing promotion for it and stuff. We've already talked about the couple of trailers that have been released, but uh, now like it's the cover story for empire magazine this month. And they released, uh, you know, a new cover, some new images. There's been some, you know, some articles released with snippets of interviews with Dave Filoni and John Favreau and Pedro Pascal and all that. Um, not really, you know, obviously they're not going to 
give away spoilers or reveal any uh, any real big surprise stuff for the season in these interviews. But it's always cool to just check in with those guys and hear what they have to say. And I love just you know hearing Filoni and Favreau talk about the process of making the show and everything. Um, and obviously, you know, cool. They get some new images, some new posters. There's been some new TV spots uh, with, you know, again, like not really showing anything that we haven't seen in the trailers already, but um, some have shown a little bit of new footage. Uh, there was one that I just saw today that had a couple new, like just really cool looking shots of um, that gauntlet Mandalorian fighter, like flying over the water and uh, a shot of Din and a couple other Mandalorians like flying around in the air on their jetpacks. So um, you know, just really cool to see all this stuff get going. I can't wait to see these full episodes in just a couple weeks, but, um, I don't know, Tim, as we're getting close, is there, you know, anything, uh, you know, any of this promo stuff that's gotten you particularly excited or just anything, uh, in particular that you're looking forward to from the upcoming season? Man. I mean, the easy answer is just to say everything, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, so far, everything we've gotten and shown so far for season three just looks really awesome and i'm at the point now where i think i'm done seeing anything new that gets released with tv spots like you said one that came out today i didn't look at that the last thing i saw was a pretty cool recap trailer of season one and two and a little bit of new stuff in season three that they showed which as i was mentioning to you earlier i think there was a shot in that trailer or recap video whatever you want to call it from season three that might have debunked my hopes of Kamino being the planet that we saw in the trailer with him and Grogu and the Naboo fighter and they're flying through this cloudy thunderstorm. There's a shot in there where you see him arriving on Mandalore and just before you could see like uh, the surface of Mandalore, it looks like he's coming out of this cloudy atmosphere with like a flash of light real quick. It was like, oh darn. So maybe that was just him entering Mandalore, but um, still have a little bit of hope, but not expecting that as much as I was at home before previously, but that was, that was a cool just recap video. And then that clip they showed with uh, Mando uh, talking with Grief, Karga, and Grogu just spinning around on that little chair and kind of, <laughs> I think, putting that out because they talked to Grief, asked him, like, you completed your mission, but yet you're still hanging around with him. Um, I'm sure that stuff has to be in there for those who didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> and I think Mando's, I, I think all he says regarding that in that clip was, it's complicated. I think referring to how it's like, it, it's an end of the show pretty much. It's almost like yeah. a better way of saying that. But I don't know. I've been well, seeing he, a lot. Of he, he really quickly recaps it in that clip by saying like, I delivered him to the Jedi, but then he came back to me, but then I took my helmet off and now I'm an apostate. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the recap that he gives. But I think I I think I noticed a cut in the middle of that scene where I think that scene in the actual episode is going to be longer. And I think they shortened it for this this promo clip release um, and maybe took some dialogue out of the middle of that. But I could be wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. But I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of, you know, joke responses on Twitter and all that are just people kind of complaining a little more about how none of that should have happened in the book of Boba Fett and how it should have been saved for a series. And I get that. I think it's a legit criticism of it, but at the same time, there's not just diehard star Wars fan in me. It's like, but we're consuming everything star Wars anyway. So it's exactly. not a big deal to us. Diehard fans. We're going to like, watch I don't care. Like I saw the story and exactly. now I'm watching more of the story. It's like, if the, if you had saved this, if you had saved that story for Mando season three, then we'd be getting, you know, that's two, 
two whole episodes of Mando season three that we wouldn't be able to get because we'd have to have those episodes in there instead. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can see the complaints about it maybe taking away from Boba Fett's story. I do wish we had gotten, I do wish that the Boba Fett parts of the book of Boba Fett had had a little more meat on the bones. Um, and that we had gotten to, you know, kind of flesh out that story in Mos Espa and everything a little bit more. But as far as the Mando stuff, I'm like, to me, those were the best episodes of that show. And so, like, again, you, you know, say what you will about Boba Fett. But as far as Mando's concerned, like, I don't care if it's in another show, if it's in this show. Like, it's all one continuous story. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got those two episodes there. So we get room for more stuff in, in season three now. So, yeah, I mean. The one thing I'm still iffy on as far as I wasn't the biggest fan of, but we'll just, and but I'm not saying like, oh, absolutely don't like it because I got to see how the, the whole story for Din and Grogu wraps up by the time the series is over. But right now I'm still kind of feeling that it maybe was a little too soon for them to be reunited after just how amazing that season two finale was. And I think some potential stories further down the line could have been if they got reunited and Grogu was a little older, I mean, we'd done all that speculation and stuff when we we're talking about the season two finale, but um, so it was still a surprise when we got that re uh, reunion in the book of Boba Fett, just how quickly it was. And I mean, it wasn't instant, obviously I think some time has definitely passed since we last saw him in season two and from the book of Boba Fett, maybe even a full year. Um, I wonder if I'll make that clearer in season three at all. But um, again, it's something I'm not like, it's not my favorite aspect about, uh, the series of stories so far regarding Din and Grogu, but at the same time too, it, there could be a purpose for that, and we'll just have to see how it all eventually wraps up. And this them reuniting this early was the only way they could tell uh, the story and the way things end for them later down the line, however long that's going to be. But we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's funny because in one of these these articles, um, and I know in Empire, like I said, it's their cover story for the month, and they've got like a big twenty page spread with interviews with, you know, John and Dave and everything. So um, I think you're probably gonna have to buy the magazine to get like all the details on that. But you know, they've been they've been releasing some articles online with little snippets of these interviews and things, and uh, one of them was with Dave, and he was kind of talking about that idea of you know, this sort of like continuous, like serialized story, storytelling. Um, and just, you know, how these, you know, these stories and these characters, you know, continue on and, um, things don't always have like perfect wrapped up definite endings. You know, sometimes one thing can feel like an ending, but then the story continues and, you know, you want to get the characters back together or whatever. Um, and he kind of compared it to like a book series where like every book, you know, is going to have its own ending and you want that book to feel like a complete story. Um, but then you want to be able to pick up the next book in the series and keep reading and, you know, go on more adventures with those characters. And he kind of was making that comparison to like Mando season two and how, you know, Luke taking Grogu away at the end is like the culmination of the, the, the story arc for that season and uh, you know, Din's quest to return Grogu to his own people and everything. And like for that story or for that season, it makes sense as like the ending to the story. Um, but then in the overall scope of the show, like there's a lot more they can do with the two of them together. And obviously like, we know just from a, a real world logistical perspective, like Grogu is way too profitable for them to, you know, write him out of the show like that and never have him be with Mando again. So um 
so yeah, I could definitely see where, you know, you could make the argument that, oh, they should have been apart for a longer amount of time. But at the same time, you know, from the, from the ending of that first episode of the Mandalorian, like you really got that sense that, oh, these two characters together, like this is the backbone of this show. Um, so I'm okay with it because like I said, I think it served the story for season two really well. I think Book of Boba Fett was a good kind of interlude to see, uh, you know, see them get some time apart, see Grogu training with Lucy Din, you know, kind of going back to being a bounty hunter at first and almost kind of being lost without Grogu and, and kind of trying to have, trying to have to find a new way. Um, and then I think they're going to come back together and we're going to see that, you know, these guys really are better off together and, you know, they, they belong together. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. And I like, I'm sure they're going to explore that in the story this season as well. And, uh, I'm sure this clip with grief won't be the only time that, you know, Mando maybe mentions mm -hmm. that and like the reasoning for them coming back together. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing more of that continued relationship. And of course, just, you know, I mean, I love just how adorable that was with Grogu, like spinning in the chair and he's using the force <laughs> to like push himself. Um, and it's just like, it's so stinking cute. And it's one of those fun, magical Grogu moments. But also I think it's cool because it shows a little bit of, growth on his part because it's a little bit more you know he's it's a little bit more controlled in his use of the force mm -hmm. um and also it's like he's still tiny and he's still the same size but it's like we start off in season one with him being you know seeming almost more like an infant or a toddler um of course it's hard to tell like what's the real equivalent of that when he's like 50 years old um but now it's almost like he's acting more like, a, you know, like a four-year-old or something that just like can't sit still in a chair and is like spinning around. And they've mentioned too that um, like in some of these interviews that like we'll see some little incremental, uh, you know, areas of character growth for Grogu. I'm sure we'll see more development of his force powers as well, especially with him now having trained with Luke for some time. So um, yeah, I mean, it's weird because like, again, when he ages so much slower compared to, uh, you know, the rest of all the characters and he's still so young comparatively for his species, I don't know that we're ever going to see Grogu grow to the point where like we see him get bigger or we see him actually start talking or anything like that. But I think mm -hmm. you will see, definitely see him become more skilled with the force and maybe see him develop a little bit more personality too. Um, and, you know, just kind of those little ways that they can work in kind of showing that he's growing a little bit. I think maybe like wherever they're headed with this show, I think it would be cool if like the last season or like even the final episode, like he talks for the first time. Um, I think that would be a really, uh, really cute yeah. way to end it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that'll be another thing that's, you know, just really fun to see this season. I mean, you got the perfect dialogue for his first words this is the way i mean if he says that to me oh i like that <laughs> i like that hmm but then like i mean his his first words can't be like a full complete sentence you know he would probably have to his i would think his first word would be like mando or uh i don't know something well, like that technically i think he already did say his first word when he arrives on tatooine in the book of boba fett and he, the cockpit of the X-wing lifts up, and he sees Paley. He does like a quick hello, <laughs> like oh it's not yeah, yeah, so clearly audible. But if you really listen closely, it does sound like he's saying hello. 
I'll have to go watch that again. Um, yeah, I've watched episodes five and six of that show so many times. I need to rewatch episode seven again before Mando comes out. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun to see, uh, you know, what they do with him as far as, you know, sort of growing and developing that character. Um, but I know for me, and I've said it before, but like the, the stuff that I'm looking forward to the most, I think really is just the, the Mandalore stuff specifically and not even necessarily just him going back to the planet of Mandalore, but just the, um, you know, getting more into like the ideology of the different Mandalorian factions and the whole, you know, lore and, and conflict around like the dark saber and, um, you know, seeing Bogatan's ambitions for like retaking Mandalore and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just think like, honestly, I think I'm at the point now where episode five of the book of Boba Fett, I think might be my favorite episode out of all the Mando stuff because it so perfectly encapsulates like everything that I love about this show, because the second half of it is like the fun adventurous kind of star Wars with the fan service and the throwbacks and him racing a Naboo starfighter through beggars Canyon on Tatooine. And it's just like so cool and so fun. But then the first half of the episode he's back with the armor and Paz Vizsla and he's got the dark saber and she's telling him about the night of a thousand tears and like the, the history of the dark saber and Bo-Katan and, you know, of course all this stuff that we as fans know and love going back to clone wars and rebels. And it's just like this deep, rich lore and storytelling. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to continuing more of that stuff. And also Bryce Dallas Howard just did such a fantastic job directing that episode. Like it's just so tight like the the writing is on point the acting is on point the visuals and the way that episode is shot and everything is just spectacular um and that's the kind of thing where like you know i i watched that episode and i was like if this is what season three is going to be like like if we just get an episode like this on a weekly basis that would be heaven now are they all going to be that good and eh, probably not um but that's what I'm most looking forward to is just more of that stuff. And, you know, combining the the fun action adventure excitement kind of stuff that we've come to know and love from the show with the stuff that just like further deepens and enriches the uh, just the universe and the world building and the lore and, uh, you know, the stories around these characters. Yeah. I mean, it's all just again, just continuing off what they've already built in seasons one and two and just of course not knowing how long the series is going to be we know at least there's going to be a season four but just um just continue to build and di dive deeper into the state of mandalorian history or culture and learning more about the history post the clone wars i mean that's a big thing what we're looking forward to even speculating after the season two finale what was teased by bo katan and her dialogue with din before they went to re rescue grogu how season three could potentially have more of a connection or not a connection but dive deep more into mandalore's history uh post the clone wars and it looks like uh we're definitely going to be getting that um not for the reasons we maybe initially thought because since din's mainly going back for uh redemption uh for himself as a mandalorian uh, not necessarily to restore mandalore but uh, that could be something that um, he ends up doing along the way or sets the seeds uh for that to happen um in later seasons but yeah just to focus more on Mandalore and Mandalorians this is going to be so great to see. I mean, seeing Mandalore in live action is going to be such a visual treat uh, to see. It's hopefully familiar, even though it's all, you know, as Boba Fett stated, <laughs> turned to glass. Um, some familiar 
set pieces or um, scenery that we've seen in the Clone Wars of Mandalore in live action, whether it is uh, the main palace where uh, Satine was at, even if it's in rubble and ruin, just seeing some familiar uh, some familiar murals and paintings that we know were on there. Just little Easter eggs like that would, are going to be cool to see. So, yeah, it's not even more of that history, but again, too, more on Grogu's history. What happened to him during Order 66? I said it, we were talking about the trailer, just how I was not expecting to see more of that necessarily, in, especially in another flashback to that moment. But um, to keep showing that, I mean, it's nothing new. It's the same shot, but on almost every TV spot or new that recap trailer, they always show that shot of the Jedi um, with their lightsabers ignited. And it just, you know, just making me more excited and hoping it is um, a, just a big moment for not only uh, when that flashback happens, but just a big moment for the series in general and for Grogu as we learn more about what happens to him during that moment. I really hope this is it where it's not, they're just slowly peeling the layers back, revealing this. We got the tease in season two. Um, from Ahsoka kind of mentioning that. And then the book of Boba Fett, we actually visually saw um, that moment. And now hopefully this will be the like the final pull on the curtain where we learned everything about what happened to Grogu during Order 66, how he escaped, who took him and all that stuff. Hopefully that is something that gets revealed in season three. Um, and just maybe didn't learn about all that too. And that strengthens their bond and their connection together. And maybe has some similarities. So they're, the journeys that they're both going to go on. So all that stuff is just very exciting. The histories and connections we're going to be getting, not only just from the Mandalore side, but also the Jedi and Force side as well with Grogu. So this man, there's so much stuff. Two weeks can't get here soon enough. Yeah. And I do wonder, like, I'll agree with you there that I hope that this season is when we get the full reveal of like what happened to Grogu during order 66 and how he escaped that. Um, but then you still have like a, a gap of like 20 or 30 years in between then and where we are now, um, which is still some story that they maybe could fill in in later seasons. So it's not like they're it's not like they have to, you know, play all their cards now. Um, but I think re- at least revealing the full you know Order 66 thing would be would be good to, you know, kind of get that. Um, but I also wonder like what the context for that scene is going to be because so far we've only seen Grogu have those moments in connection with other Jedi. Like you said, first it's Ahsoka explaining, you know, that she's kind of sensed these things from him. Um, And then it's Luke like helping Grogu to see those visions. Um, And so I don't, it's like, I kind of have a hard time imagining like them showing us this scene and it's just Grogu kind of meditating and like mm-hmm. seeing this vision by himself. So I wonder if we're going to see Luke again um, or another Jedi even um, that maybe will like help Grogu to unpack more of those memories or if it's like, if he's even gotten this strong in the force by this point, I wonder if he could like, if there'll maybe be something where he sort of, lets mando see this vision you know like he somehow reaches out like instead of luke having to unlock the memories for him it's now like he's unlocked his own memories and through the force he can share that with mando and mando sees his past um i think that would be really cool Mm -hmm. it would be and again like you could argue like oh that's you know that's a really powerful force technique for a kid but also like he's 50 years old and has trained with luke skywalker so like we don't know what the limits of grogu's power are at this point um yeah yeah 
could maybe someone's done unintentionally too, because I know yeah. Luke kind of had to bring it out of him where he was Grogu's trying to hide that memory, it seems, and Luke really had to bring that back and maybe just doing that that one time. It's just the more Grogu starts remembering it more and more, and maybe unintentionally <laughs> as he's remembering, somehow it's didn't able to see uh, as as a vision of the past type of thing too. But yeah, either way, I just want Din to find out about that, <laughs> just to have him know Grogu's history or learn about Grogu's history and where he came from. Yeah, yeah, because obviously it, he can't he can't tell him yet. Yeah, um, just how like I said, it could be somewhere that makes the bond bond grow even stronger, where it's not such a young age for both of them they were facing this you know life or death situation and had to be rescued by someone and we know who rescued din but we still don't know who rescued grogu and again hopefully that's something we find out when we get this flashback just so we can get more of those pieces start uh, falling together yeah yeah and obviously we see from that scene that you know there's jedi with lightsabers out and there's somebody cutting through the door in the temple so like could we see hayden christensen as anakin again (laughs) very possibly um yeah man how crazy would that be to see live action anakin in the mandalorian um and that's to to kind of segue into my next point i mean the the thing that I'm always sort of most excited to see with a new season of Mando is like the places that are, that they're going to take us to that we have no idea of yet. Um, Cause you think back to, I mean, season one was a little more sort of self-contained to like the, the new locations and new characters and didn't bring it as bring in as many like big surprise type stuff. It was more just kind of like establishing its own story, but even um seeing moff gideon with the darksaber at the end of season one i never would have thought that we would get that you know going into the season and just seeing the the teaser trailers that they released beforehand and stuff and i remember how excited i was you know realizing like oh my gosh that's the darksaber um and then with season two especially i mean you think about the trailers for season two and i remember specifically with season two i felt like the trailers didn't really show much yeah um they showed like just enough to get you excited but they didn't really tell you anything about what the story was for this season aside from mando trying to return grogu to his own kind which we already knew about from the end of season one um and all the stuff in the trailer was from like the first four episodes and so it's like once you get past those first four it's like okay we're in uncharted territory now and then you've got ahsoka showing up and then boba fett and then i mean who among us thought that like we would be seeing a live action, like digitally de-aged Luke Skywalker showing up in the Mando season two finale going into that season. Like that was not on anybody's mind at that point. Um, at least I don't think it was like, I know we did a lot of speculating about that and stuff, but I, I definitely don't remember at the beginning of the season expecting like, Oh yeah, we're going to see Luke by the end of this. Like no way. Um, well, and I so remember just, you being the, the one like who had the strongest feeling that that was going to happen. I had the strongest feeling it was going to happen, but I don't think it was until later in the season. I think it was after he meets Ahsoka. And Mm -hmm. when Ahsoka says, well, I'm not going to train him, but if you take him to Tython, I actually just rewatched this episode earlier today too. When she says, uh, take him to Tython, place him on the seeing stone. And if he reaches out through the force, uh, a Jedi may sense his presence and come looking for him. And then she goes, but then again, 
there aren't many Jedi left. And I'm like, that's them telling you right there that it's going to be Luke Skywalker. Like that's Dave Filoni giving you a wink and a nod going, hmm, like there's not many Jedi left out there. Who could it be? Um, <laughs> you know, even though like you're thinking, oh, no way. Like we're not going to see Luke. Like he's too big of a character to show up in a TV series like this. But at the same time, it was just like, that was the only thing that made sense. But again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, as the story progressed, I was like, oh, maybe we could go here. But that was not anywhere on my mind, like going into the first episode of the season. Um, and so it's just thinking, thinking back on like the expectations going into the season versus where we ended up by the end of it and just having our minds blown with all the stuff that we never imagined seeing. Um, to me, like that's the most exciting stuff to to imagine like we can't even speculate about it because it's just like what are the big surprises going to be like i'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff this season too that looking back on it will just be like wow i never would have guessed that coming into this and just even for the premiere of season three too i'm sure we've seen clips of the premiere the first episode of season three and that clip we probably saw of uh, din and grief and grogu is probably from the first premiere episode but we saw little glimpses of the season two premiere in the trailers, but also had no clue just how big and massive that episode was going to be with the crate dragon, yeah. <laughs> and the Tuscan Raiders fighting uh, with the uh, uh, Mos Pelgo's villagers and this Boba Fett's armor being revealed. And Boba Fett at the end, well, kind of was, I was hoping for a Boba Fett tease in there since we knew beforehand that Temuor Morrison was going to be in season two, but just all that stuff with like the crate dragon um battle being the big focus of that first episode of season two i mean we could be in i'm expecting actually to be totally surprised for what the first episode is going to be about and what's in store for us because i'm sure we have no clue even from the glimpses we've got of certain moments and shots from the trailers we've gotten so far yeah and i'm feeling the same way because like you said i think that clip of uh of Mando being back with, you know, grief on Navarro. I think that probably is going to be from the premiere, especially since, you know, he's kind of explaining to grief about like why he's back with Grogu and stuff. I'm like, Oh, this feels like, you know, something they would explain in the first episode for people who didn't watch book of Boba Fett. Um, but yeah, it's like, and we've seen some clips of even like Mandalorians fighting on Navarro. Now I do wonder like, is that going to be in the first episode or could that be something later where, you know, the, the battle kind of comes, comes back there later on. Um, but yeah, especially with some of the, the longer episodes of this show being up to like, you know, 45 to 50 minutes. I'm like, you know, we've seen maybe a grand total of like a minute of you know what's going to be in this episode so you know there's just so much stuff we haven't seen yet and like you said even episodes where we think we know what's going to happen they always find ways to throw some big surprises in there so um yeah i'm definitely going into it just looking to be surprised even for this premiere episode i'm just like you know show me some good stuff surprise me i can't wait to see what they've got in store same and the best part is we don't have to wait much longer yeah just another two weeks it's nuts um so yeah i'm super excited for that uh can't wait to be back on here talking about it with you guys and um you know reviewing at least every couple episodes i know we're going to do an episode just for the premiere just because that's you know like i said we've been trying to do every couple of weeks and so two weeks from now we'll just have the premiere episode um but then we might do every two weeks after that, or we might do every week, depending on uh, how much we feel like we need to talk about these episodes. So 
we'll kind of feel it out as the season goes. But we'll I'm, see how blown away we are. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm I'm expecting to be pretty blown away, so we'll see. But um, yeah, man, I'm super excited for it. Um, now speaking of uh, you know, Star Wars series and Disney Plus and live action stuff, there was an uh, article put out today in I think it was just today in um, the Hollywood Reporter. Um, and they're talking about sort of Disney's future and their plans for Disney Plus and these series and stuff. There's been a lot of talk online about this recently with Bob Iger coming back and with Disney's financial forecasts and stuff. And especially with Marvel and how, you know, just like the sheer volume of stuff that they've been putting out and how, um, especially in, in the past year, um, you know, some of the... the the uh, series that they've put out on Disney plus haven't been as well received. And I think people are starting to feel a little bit of that burnout just from like the sheer volume of content that they've been putting out. Um, and so in this article, they, they start off by talking specifically about the Marvel stuff on Disney plus and how Disney is kind of scaling back, putting more priority on quality over quantity um, and also kind of like enforcing, you know, stricter kind of budget requirements and, um, how like in the early days when, uh, I mean, I know Netflix has been going for a while, but you know, really when we kind of hit this point where like Disney plus and HBO max and all this stuff were coming out and everybody was sort of competing for, for subscribers and viewership and everybody wanted these big marquee shows to draw people to their streaming services and they were spending a ton of money on them. And now I think things have kind of evened out where it's like everybody's subscribed to, you know, three or four streaming services. Like none of them are seeing huge growth numbers and they're all still spending a ton of money on content and they're starting to lose money. Um, and so now they're starting to kind of scale back and really evaluate like, Oh, okay. We need to be kind of more the financially responsible and more kind of picky about the stuff that we put out. And I think they made a good point in this article, or maybe it was somebody that I saw on Twitter that was tweeting about this. And they were like, you know, if you have, uh, you know, 10 decent Marvel shows or five really good Marvel shows, people are going to tune into Disney Plus and watch them either way. Um, it's just at that point, you know, a matter of like how much money you're just sort of wasting on putting content out there. Um, but it's kind of good to see that they're focusing more on, um, you know, more on, on sort of responsibly created, like, uh, you know, making sure that the, the product is good, um, and just sort of more quality control rather than just kind of like throwing everything at the wall to see what's, to see what sticks. Now they did, they mentioned Star Wars in this article too, um, and talk about how Star Wars is kind of having the opposite problem, at least from the film uh, side of things where like Star Wars has had more trouble getting projects off the ground. Um, and even though we did also have three Star Wars shows last year, you know, it's there seems to be less of a perception of sort of burnout, at least I feel like with um, with Star Wars stuff and, you know, not as many people saying like, oh, there's too much stuff. Um, but, um, you know, and again, especially with the the movie side of Star Wars, I feel like they really need to kind of ramp up more and like, you know, actually get these projects off the ground. Um but they do talk about how in this article, like it's going to be sort of a, a company wide initiative with Disney and Lucasfilm is still going to be held to these same standards of, again, really like maintaining a, a standard of quality control and making sure that they're sticking to their budgets and they're not just like going over budget and throwing all this money at stuff to create, you know, unnecessary amounts of content. 
so it'll be interesting to see how this affects kind of the landscape of everything going forwards. Um, I think in the long run, like, I think this will only be a good thing, especially for Marvel, but for Star Wars as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, if anything, I don't think they're going to mess too much with like Mando. Like, obviously, that's probably their biggest breadwinner still for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, but another interesting thing, like I said, you know, with where Star Wars has really struggled is with the uh, the film stuff recently. Um, and they talked about, uh, you know, some of the reports we had heard that like Damon Lindelof had led a, a Star Wars writer's room um, like last year at Lucasfilm. And they were coming up with an idea for a new movie to try to get out as soon as possible. Um, and they say in this article that they're expecting that the next Star Wars movie will be announced at Celebration this year. So um that was the first time that we had really heard that um so if that's true i'm very much looking forward to seeing what that's going to be all about um you know i'm obviously we're expecting to have a lot of exciting announcements from celebration anyways that's always the case and it's been a while since we've heard any star wars film news so i was like kind of hoping that we would get that but at the same time we've had a lot of celebrations and d23s and stuff that have gone by in the past couple years with no movie announcements so um, I didn't necessarily have my hopes up too high. So it's good to hear that more or less confirmed. And, uh, now I'm really looking forward to, uh, celebration in April and finding out what the next star Wars movie is going to be. Um, which like I said, we we're pretty sure is not going to be this year at this point. In fact, I know we talked about this like end of last year, like Disney finally moved that off of their, um, their production schedule. Um, so there's not going to be a new Star Wars movie this year, but we'll find out what the next Star Wars movie is. We'll find out when it's coming out. Um, I don't know if that'll be next year or if it won't be till 2025. Because um, I know they're still doing the Avatar movies every two years. And so like December 2024 is supposed to be the next Avatar sequel. Um, so I don't know if it's something where they still want to kind of stick to like the scheduled time slots where they had Star Wars movies or if they just want to start getting them out as soon as possible. Um but we'll see. We'll only have a couple more months to wait to uh, find that out. Because, um, yeah, Star Wars Celebration Europe is coming up in April. So um, that is suddenly now uh, pretty high on my list of things that I'm looking forward to from that. Let's hope when the movie gets announced, it's one that doesn't have any delays or production issues. I'm, what I'm hoping for is they announce what movie it is and that production has already started or it's about very, very close to starting. Just so... We don't go through the stuff we've always been going through for so long now with new Star Wars movies getting announced and losing the your creative team behind it and getting shelved and all that stuff. It's just they just got to make sure when they announce it that this thing is happening just to avoid that bad aspect of the surrounding new Star Wars projects. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I think it is, you know, not too surprising when we've had this discussion a few episodes too. And I know. Paul's been saying about this a lot as far as, you know, lessening back the amount of content that we're getting throughout the year or throughout a year of uh, Star Wars stuff and how we felt kind of last year, maybe it was a little too much. I didn't necessarily agree. I kind of felt it was perfect, but um, it looks like kind of Disney is agreeing with that though, too, especially as you mentioned, it was mainly on the Marvel side of things where how there might only be two mcu shows coming on disney plus in 2023 when before it was like almost about four or five of them that were supposed to be coming out later this year but now they're going to be scaling back but um star wars didn't have that many i felt three just ended up really being perfect one at the beginning of the year in the middle and then one kind of towards the end i just loved how that worked out 
last year in 2022. But I could see that uh, being the same for Star Wars moving forward too, like Marvel, or maybe it is just two TV shows going forward. Um, you know, which it's it's still going to be pretty darn good. Uh, but I think it's that article did mention how obviously we're getting Mando in just two weeks, but then I think they mentioned Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew being the other two shows that. I uh, should still probably make it for this year, but going forward, I imagine it kind of being maybe just two a year and hopefully a movie to go along with that. But um, yeah, I'm excited to find out exactly what that movie's going to be. Like you said, at Celebration, but it's kind of cool to finally, I guess not necessarily get it officially confirmed because we haven't really got any panel details just yet for Celebration Europe. We've got a lot of guest announcements recently, um, which is cool. Um, but hopefully we start getting the panel information and then really get excited about what to expect at Celebration Europe. But if we're able to get a new announcement for a star, not just one Star Wars movie, but maybe two or just um, also maybe potential series. But again, uh, maybe they're not going to go overboard with announcements, as I thought, as I just mentioned, not the ones that are way down the line that might not even see the light of day. So if they just want to keep it as one movie and make sure that's the one that actually gets made and gets put out then that'll be fine it'll just be it'll just be nice to be excited for a new star wars movie again as you said it just that wait is just getting longer and longer and that excitement is being missed more and more as each day goes by as far as not having a new star wars movie to look forward to and i just know when we do get one it's just going to be a lot of fun to have that excitement back and that anticipation for a brand new star wars movie so um yeah looking forward to see what that actually is and just Another thing to be excited about for Celebration Europe when it comes around in just a few months. Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of big announcements of like new content, I definitely think that movie announcement is going to be the biggest thing. I don't even know if they'll announce any new shows. Um, I mean, as far as show stuff, I think the biggest announcement is probably going to be a release date for Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, along with, probably, I think we'll get a trailer though. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Along with, I'm I'm talking more specifically news, but I think we'll get a trailer okay. for that as well. Um, and then I think, um, I like we might get some updates on Skeleton Crew. In fact, I bet you would get some announcements on Skeleton Crew, like maybe yeah. a full cast reveal. Yeah. Um, and maybe and I bet have they'll show. Out. I bet they'll show a trailer for that that doesn't get released to like online. I think that might be. Oh, the that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, Cause, yeah, because they did that for Ahsoka last year. Mm. Um, so yeah, they especially if Skeleton Crew is also coming out later this year, um, which last we heard it still was scheduled for like end of the year. Um, so yeah, if that's happening, I I would bet that they'll probably have like the big Skeleton Crew reveal panel at Celebration where they you know they have some of the cast out and uh, maybe show a trailer or some you know like a sizzle reel or some concept art or something like that. Um, and then maybe even like they could possibly talk about the acolyte. Um, and now, interestingly enough, we're expecting that to come out after Skeleton Crew, but we've already gotten the full cast reveal for the acolyte, and we know that's in production as well. So we could maybe get even maybe another like uh, you know behind closed doors like teaser trailer for that, or at least maybe some production updates or a a release window or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily expecting them to announce any new series unless it's maybe like a season two of Obi-Wan or the Book of yeah. Boba Fett or something like that. Ian McGregor is going 
So Ewan McGregor is going to be there, as is Hayden Christensen. Now, I've said this before. As much as I loved seeing the two of them together in the the first season of Obi-Wan, if you're going to do a second season of Obi-Wan, it can't be Obi-Wan and Vader again. Yeah. Like, well, Hayden could be there for Ahsoka, though. That could be what he's going to do. That's very true. That's right. very true. But also, I mean, I wouldn't even be mad if, you know, they did something else with Hayden as Vader, you know, even another story set in between episodes three and four. It just can't be with Obi-Wan. Like yeah, the ending agreed. of the ending of Obi-Wan made it pretty clear. Like this is the last time they're meeting until a new hope. Um, so yeah, like as much as I loved seeing them together again, and I'm sure they would love to work together again because both of them said in interviews, you know, people asked about like a season two and they talked about like, Oh, we had so much fun coming back and doing this together and working together, go together again. Like we'd love to do more of it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys can't keep working together. If we come back and do more. And let's say they want to do flash flashbacks in some other series or even season two of an obi-wan have more of a longer flashback during the clone wars that's the yeah. ticket to working together again no yeah i mean that's another thing too like we talked about uh hayden coming back in the ahsoka series and potentially seeing anakin and ahsoka and luke all together like why not throw obi-wan in that mix right? too <laughs> or do like a live action clone wars flashback where we've got oh my god can you imagine seeing hayden and ewan in live action in like the clone wars jedi Dude. armor with some <laughs> new actress playing like a teenage ahsoka um oh my gosh just like yeah. inject that straight into my veins. <laughs> um, and i mean never say never now i mean these tv shows have given us so much stuff that we weren't expecting to get and they've been phenomenal those surprises so yeah i know ahsoka is going to be giving us a lot more so maybe that will be one of them and boy if that happens geez <laughs> yeah um oh and then of course we know we've got andor season two coming too um yeah. but they're not i i believe they don't start filming that until around april uh um, no i think they already so, started oh did they oh no, no no you're right you know i i keep getting confused between all these different um you know we had like three big shows at the end of last year um at least for me it was like andor uh the rings of power and house of the dragon they were all on around the same time and they're all getting second seasons, but all of the second seasons started filming like at different points. Yeah. Like I think when those shows aired in the fall, I think they were already starting on season two of Rings of Power. Um, and then Andor, I think, started filming like right after the first season ended. And it's House of the Dragon that doesn't start filming until the spring. Um, so I get those confused sometimes. But regardless, I don't, I'm not necessarily expecting to see anything from season two of Andor um, just because I think think they said that they weren't expecting that to air until 2024 yeah um but i could be wrong but yeah no, i don't I know i right. mean um so yeah i'm not expecting much from that that might be something that they save more for like d23 um you know later this year i forget do they do d23 every year or is it every other year it's every other year so Oh, it shouldn't so be this year. Get a, a D23. But also, you know, there's like Disney Plus Day and there's Comic-Con and there's other stuff later in the year. So, um, yeah, I think really like uh, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew and New Movie is like the, the stuff that I'm most expecting to get some uh, big announcements about at Celebration. Um, it's interesting, too, because honestly, going forward, like if they are sort of trying to uh, tighten the belt, if you will, around, um, you know, not just creating tons of different series and maybe just kind of trying to 
stick with what works and be a little bit tighter with their budgets and stuff. Like, obviously we want to get star Wars back in the theaters and we want new star Wars movies. Um, and for the Disney plus stuff, like obviously we're still getting a season two of Andor, we're still getting the acolyte and we're still getting, uh, well, we don't know if we're getting a season two of Obi-Wan. I would love to see that at some point. I hope they do more Obi-Wan stuff, but aside from all that, um, I mean, I know they had talked about, you know, when we first had that big reveal of like all the upcoming stuff and there was like a Lando series and that droid story thing um, that we still haven't heard anything oh, about. Man, I forgot about that. Wow. That's right. Yeah. But see, I would be fine if they scaled back on some of that stuff and really just focused on this quote unquote, you know, Mandoverse and these, uh, you know, sort of the connected Mandalorian stories with, you know, Mando, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, Book of Boba Fett. There was also something I saw today that um, I guess Disney also recently had like a, a quarterly earnings call or investor call or something like that. And they put out a, um, you know, a, like a, a production slate of their upcoming stuff. And somebody pointed out that Ahsoka had previously been marked as like a limited series or an event series yeah. or something like that. And on this most recent thing that they put out, it was just listed as like a, a scripted series or an ongoing series or something like that. And it also specific, it also specifically said Ahsoka season one. Um, ah, that is so, actually a pretty huge deal, I think. Yeah, so now it's looking like we might get an Ahsoka season two potentially, um, which is not surprising because again, if this is going to tie into this ongoing, um, this ongoing sort of Mandoverse, um, you know, I would kind of expect, and I mean, unless it, unless the the first season was its own thing, and then it just kind of dovetailed back into the main Mandalorian storyline and connected to some other stuff, I could maybe see that. But um, certainly, Ahsoka is a big enough character that she could carry her own series for you know multiple seasons. Um, and maybe even the story of, you know, her and Sabine and Hera and Thrawn and Ezra and all that, maybe they want to carry that on um, for multiple, you know, maybe for a couple of seasons before bringing Thrawn back into sort of the main fold of the galaxy and making him like the main villain of Mando and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I mean... I would not be mad if they just sort of made that the focus. And if we get two or three series a year that are just part of that connected ongoing storyline, and then maybe in two or three years from now, they wrap that story up and then we move on to uh, maybe more Obi-Wan or, you know, some more other stories or something like that. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, just an idea, but um and then, of course, you know, we still got the animated stuff. We got Visions. We got Bad Batch. So um, it's like I wouldn't be mad about them doing less Star Wars if they want to focus more on, again, just have it be kind of tighter and more focused. But at the same time, like, I'm loving all the stuff that we're getting right now. So I kind of, it's like I would hate to lose any of this. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how the, uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Like I said, I, I am kind of getting to the point where like, I'm still enjoying the MCU, but I'm like, they definitely could scale it back a little bit. I don't think, you know, certainly with the, I mean, like the three or four series and three or four different movies that they've put out in the past year, like not all of them have been stuff that I've loved. Um, and I think they certainly could, uh, could stand to be a little bit, um, you know, just scale back a little bit and focus more on putting a, you know, a couple really good things out 
as opposed to just a bunch of content. Um, but I've been really enjoying all the Star Wars stuff that we've gotten. So um, I don't feel like they necessarily need to scale back. But I also think that, you know, again, just kind of putting, <clears throat> putting that content, uh, putting that focus on um, on quality over quantity and just making sure that they're putting out really good, tight stuff, I think is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, agreed. Hey, hard to complain when, again, just going back 11 years ago almost when we didn't think we'd be getting any of this stuff now and we've gotten so much since then and uh if we were expecting a little more it's to get scaled back a little bit and as long as we're still getting new star wars content i can't really complain too much yeah for sure um all right so yeah like i said you know i mean with the uh we still got plenty of stuff coming up this year and then um celebration and some of this other stuff we should be getting a better idea of what the plan is looking like going forward and uh, hopefully get, hopefully we get some exciting uh, movie news as well. Um, now let's also talk about uh, another thing that we're looking forward to coming out in a couple months, which is Jedi survivor. Um, and it's, uh, you know, basically like IGN's like game of the month or whatever that they're showing a bunch of first looks at. Um, so like a week ago, they put out a uh, like a long, like nine minute gameplay video um, showing some extended look at uh, gameplay of Cal going across this new planet that's going to be kind of a main area of the new game um, and showing some of the new combat mechanics and stuff. And it looks just beautiful, looks yeah. really good, looks like a lot of fun. Um, man, and just some of the new like moves and combos that you can do and stuff like switching between these different saber stances where you can do a single bladed saber, you can do the double bladed saber like you could in the last game, but you can also do more stuff with uh dual sabers which i was really excited about because in the last game it was just kind of a thing where like you could do special moves that would like split your your double saber in half and you'd be you know you just kind of do like a quick twirl with two lightsabers and then connect them back together but that wasn't like a main combat stance you could do and so just seeing him fighting with two lightsabers is cool um of course we know there's also going to be the cross guard thing um and the uh, we didn't really like in this clip at least we didn't see the cross guard and we didn't see uh him using his blaster which we know is also going to be part of the game um but just cool to see the new environments cool to see you know some new gameplay and some of the new saber moves and stuff and then also um i guess a big part of this is going to be um i forget the name of the sort of like this uh like crime guild or syndicate or whatever that's going to be kind of um one of your main adversaries but it's these guys that are like holed up on this planet and have like commandeered an old army of battle droids. And so in addition to like these bounty hunters, you're seeing Cal fight, you know, B1 battle droids, B2 super battle droids, like commando droids. I'm like, and you know, I'm obviously as much as I love the first Jedi Fallen Order and seeing him, you know, fight stormtroopers and stuff was a lot of fun, but there's just something about seeing Jedi fight battle droids. That's just yep. so satisfying. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. man, I can't wait to get in and play that. So. Um, that's looking like a lot of fun so far. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing quite like playing a Jedi and wielding a lightsaber and using that lightsaber to cut through battle droids. I mean, it's so much fun. Ever since that game Jedi Power Battles on the PlayStation 1 back in 2000, I think it came out. That's where I really started feeling that fun of just chopping down battle droids with your lightsabers. <laughs> and we obviously had so many games since then that you did that. But now that we're getting it in a game... A triple-A title like uh, Jedi Survivor, it's going to be tons of fun. And yeah, like just echoing what you just said, um, that nine-minute video was just a great tease of looking like how beautiful and smooth the gameplay and the environments look. 
in this game. It's just, I mean, I can't wait for it. Makes me just bummed that <laughs> we do have to wait a little bit longer with the delay. But um, knowing that it's going to be the polish that it needs, it's just looking at that video, you know it's going to be worth it. And just how uh, this game looks to be improving on the first in a lot of different ways, especially or definitely on the gameplay mechanics side, just judging by this video. So, yeah, I just can't wait to see more. I know there's been some more videos they've put out. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to see them yet. That nine-minute uh, gameplay demo was the only one that I did see, but definitely need to go back and check out um, some of the other videos they put out. Because I think they, one of the more recent ones was looking at one of the main villains, like that big kind of brute-looking alien we saw in the trailer. It just kind of showing oh, yeah. what, what he's all about. Um, so definitely there's more info out there for Jedi survivor, uh, to get you excited and just more hyped up for that April release in a couple of months, but I definitely need to do that. And I'll probably do that after we record this uh, episode tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And there's another one that just came out today. That's talking more about the, uh, the combat stances and the different lightsaber styles that you get to play through. So, um, I'm looking forward to watching that one as well. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet today. That came out just a couple hours ago. Uh, before we recorded this so um yeah it's cool that we're finally getting kind of more of a a deep dive into the game because for it coming out so close like we still really didn't know that much about it um before this stuff started coming out I mean we had gotten the two trailers and that was pretty much it which really for me like that was all I needed Um, yeah with how much I loved the first game I'm like just tell me it's a sequel show me a trailer to get me excited and like I'm there like shut up and take my money I'm gonna play it regardless um so it wasn't necessarily like I was disappointed or it's like oh no I need more it was just kind of funny to think like oh yeah we still haven't really seen much aside from like the two main trailers so um cool to finally be getting uh you know more of a, a deeper look at the game and um you know, I'm excited to watch those couple of videos that we're talking about that we still have to catch up on and see what else they put out for the rest of the month. Um, and then also, like I said, one other thing that I'm looking forward to is in March, there's the novel Jedi Battle Scars that's coming out that's a, uh, a prequel tie-in to the new game. Um, and they've released a couple of excerpts online for that. There's one on StarWars.com and then one that just came out today on Entertainment Weekly. Um, and the first one, I think, is from, like, probably the very beginning of the book and it's uh you know it's cal on a mission like he's by himself but he's still with the the mantis crew and like he's floating through space in a spacesuit trying to infiltrate some like asteroid base uh from some bounty hunters or something like that and he's like on the comms talking to like seer and grease and uh marin and they're back on the mantis and um it's you know it's kind of like a nice reintroduction to the characters it's got some fun banter and some fun character moments but nothing that like blew me away but i could kind of tell like oh this is still you know from early in the book like this will you know this will be a fun read um but the one that they put out today i thought was actually really cool and it's uh it's seer and cal uh fighting the fifth brother um but it's actually written from seer's perspective and um you know kind of just describing like how she sees the fight and the ways that she taps into the force and talking about her past experiences with Trilla and uh, you know, the ways that she's tempted by the dark side. And then there's some really cool stuff that happens in this fight. So uh, that one that I read today got me really excited. Um, And uh, I was like, Oh man, if this is the kind of stuff we can expect from this book, I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm excited to read that when it comes out in uh, geez, that's also in like a month, like less than a month from now that that book comes out. Um, And of course now with the game getting delayed, I'll have uh, a couple more weeks to finish that. So 
um yeah looking forward to that as well it's crazy to think that we've got all this star wars stuff that's coming up you know right around the corner and i don't know about you tim but like for me it's been um i don't know not like a super busy start to the year but you know i mean i'm keeping busy with work like i'm doing these podcasts talking about stuff with you guys also we've had bad batch to keep us occupied and i've been on rebel cells every week talking about that with mike and joe so it's like this stuff is all like sneaking up on me the fact that mando is coming out in less than two weeks jedi battle scars is in less than a month um jedi survivors about two months away now i'm just like dang this is all coming up fast and uh certainly no complaints here but i don't know there's been times in the past when it feels like oh we still got three more months till mando like there's nothing else between now and then like i wish it would just hurry up and get here and now it's just like oh mando's already almost yeah and heck also throw in another trip to batu and galaxy's edge for us in the beginning of this year <laughs> it's like yeah true there's just so much star wars content that we've had to enjoy at the beginning of 2023 so far yeah definitely um so yeah, it's been fun. And I'm you know, certainly not complaining that all this stuff is just coming up quick and we don't have you know long agonizing waits for it. Yes, that makes it nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's pretty much it for all the news, um, trailers, upcoming stuff. Um, now let's talk real quick about uh, some of these recent episodes of Bad Batch. I know the last time we had recorded, we were up to... Uh, the Gunji episode on Kashyyyk. Um, and I know Paul was, you know, said he's he was really enjoying the season so far. I think you and I were both kind of like, you know, enjoying it, maybe not quite as much as season one. Like, you know, there was the one standout episode with Crosshair. Aside from that, it was just kind of like, eh, it's all right. Um, and then we got the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences, um, which I think safe to say like i know this is the case for me i'm sure you probably feel this way too like these are definitely two of the best episodes of the entire series and uh the kind of stuff that i want to see more of from the bad batch dealing with the clones and the empire and kind of the aftermath of the clone wars and stuff like that um but uh i mean i already talked about it a bunch with mike and joe earlier this week on rebel cells i'll talk about it some more here but tim i'll give you a chance if you want to uh you know just kind of talk about um these more recent episodes of bad batch and uh you know any any thoughts that you had about those man yeah these episodes did not disappoint i mean we were speculating talking about the potential of how great these episodes could be on our last one <laughs> just knowing that these two-parter mid-season episodes and what they could possibly mean and progressing the story of the clones further in this era and yeah it delivered on all fronts on that i will say i mean i'm in total agreement that these are two of the best episodes some of the best episodes of the entire series but i think as of right now i think the solitary clone still just edges it out a little bit um in my opinion but i mean that's not a slight on these episodes at the lightest because i really think the solitary clone is an all-timer when it comes to uh star wars and especially on the animated series front but these ones uh just again a way the way that this series has told the progression of how the clones are dealing with the transition of from the Republic to the empire and as soldiers and just how they're just being really just treated like nothing in the eyes of the empire and those in charge, especially Rampart um, who we'll get to later <laughs> in this episode. But um, again, just really bringing home just what this, uh, when they're at the state in the galaxy or with the empire and this vote that keeps coming up, but yet keeps uh getting repealed and i was not going through the 
uh, the act to enlist soldiers rather than using the clone. They just how it's just heavily weighing on the clones, as we saw in the beginning of this episode in uh, the clone conspiracy, where we got to go to the clone bar again that we saw in uh, the Fives arc, which was cool. But again, just I just love how we're just getting this insight to not only just how the clones are dealing with this, but one of my favorite aspects of this two-parter is the return of Senator Tucci in here and how she's just such an advocate for uh, clone rights and just making sure they are treated as respectfully as any other uh, citizen in the galaxy, especially as uh, servants in the military and how she wants to really fight for them to get you know, the treatment and they deserve once they are out of service and they're retired. And I just love how she is someone as obviously who we knew from season one of the Clone Wars and one of the best episodes in the early run of the show in Trespass. And I just love how, you know, she has that experience in with the clones, uh, you know, fighting for her, protecting her and just knowing the the role they served during the Clone Wars and wants to see them, you know, be taken care of now that the war is over. So I just love how it showcased um, there is a senator, one that we knew before who was fighting for them and just really just wants the best out of them because she knows it's right, not for any political gain or anything like that, but just knowing uh, what these clones deserve and her experience in serving with them. So I just love how uh, there was someone in the galaxy that's fighting for them, but it ended up being a character we knew before. And just my respect for that character, <laughs> just like my admiration for her shot up immensely after this episode, knowing just how hard she was fighting for the clones. So that was just so great to see. And just the way this episode developed, you know, that obviously the clone conspiracy, there is some conspiracy going on and just the whole thing with Rampart, trying to hide the destruction of Camino and just the lengths he was going to do to make sure that doesn't get out. And when we saw it in the premiere episode where he killed that clone um, who wasn't going to file the report that the bad bat survived and just, you know, it, his story was pretty flimsy from the start thinking that a storm destroyed Topoka city <laughs> and a planet that is has nothing but storm as it has survived many storms. <laughs> Uh, for so long wasn't the best you know alibi to have for that but just the fact too that we learned you know it wasn't just topoka city they destroyed other inhabited cities on camino camino is pretty much inhabitless now which is just mm-hmm. crazy and they mentioned how just other kaminoans lost their lives there and other clones on other facilities and just what a massacre it was and again just how horrible it was that clone troopers actually did that and followed the order and i love how it was showing the regret that some of them had too so all that stuff just <laughs> You know, really just driving home again, just what a tragic story the clone troopers are and just how it all culminates into that final moment of the series. When you think uh, they were going to have a legit shot to not see that act or that bill pass um, by showing the proof of the log and Rampart Star Destroyer and just knowing that he was, in fact, the one who gave the order and destroyed it. But yet, uh, in typical Palpatine fashion, it just all plays right into his hands to get what he wants at the end. It was awesome. I mean, that was just such a great moment. Just seeing the center chamber, you know, the center, the center pod rise up, and you knew who it wasn't just going to be Masameda in there this time. After there were kind of certain characters were hinting, you know, where is the chancellor or the emperor and all this, and so you knew once that pod was rising, Palpatine was going to be there. And obviously, from some of the shots we've seen in the trailer, but man, what a great moment it was just seeing. Palpatine voiced by Ian McDermott again. It was just awesome. And just Rampart finally 
getting some comeuppance here. I mean, I I hope. I mean, he's getting taken away, thrown in jail, but I hope there's a worse fate waiting for him at the, at the end of this. I hope we haven't seen the last of him, just so um, he can really get what's coming to him. Which I'm hoping is Crosshair who deals the blows. I got some theories about mm. that, but as of right now, just that moment of finally seeing uh, all his lies and just the stories unravel, all the cover up he tried to do. Um, and this Palpatine, to hear it come from Palpatine too is what made it awesome. But then again, this Palpatine using what was going to be a victory for the clones, but in turn using that as his advantage to get that bill passed to have uh, the Stormtrooper um, Act be initiated. I mean, he even says, I forget the exact line of dialogue, but it was very Revenge of the Sith Five Heavies where he says uh, the first Galactic Empire was something. I don't know if he said the first stormtroopers for the galactic empire but stormtroopers were named for the very first time now um in the star wars timeline and the fact that it was palpatine was the one to do that made it very fitting but uh, it's going to be a mistake he'll soon regret (laughs) in a few years time but (laughs) the way this story developed in here rex being involved um being the one to try to get clones off of safely off of camino i mean not camino but coruscant the ones who want to get out of there and just seeing that, and then how he gets the bad batch involved, knowing he needs an elite team to take care of an almost impossible job in mission to get that data from that star destroyer um, was just great. But we get that great moment with Palpatine uh, officially um, enacting the stormtroopers to be the military for the Empire. Rampart gets taken away. But if that was enough, the episode really ends on, you know where it hits you right in the fields <laughs> where the departure of echo and his goodbye to uh, Omega here. And it was just such a, I didn't expect that to happen during the series, but it just felt so natural as echo has stated in previous episodes, how he feels they should be doing more uh, to help those in need. But in this particular case, definitely for his fellow clone troopers and that connection he has with Rex, um, Obviously, being a factor too, what made him come to this final decision after what they've been through here and knowing that things aren't going to be great for the clones moving forward now that they're going to be decommissioned and not used by the Empire anymore. So, um, he just obviously felt is place the place he needs to be is with Rex and to help any clones and just anyone in need. And it just felt such the right way to go about with his story and just his goodbye with Omega. You know, it's really great and so so good that they had kind of those more personal moments together in the early episodes of the season, which made you really feel that uh, moment between them uh, even more impactful as they said their goodbyes to each other. So yeah, this was a phenomenal two-part episode. It's a Star Wars storytelling that I love to experience so much. And they just knocked it out of the park as they continue to do with telling the story of the clone troopers um, in the course of this series, as uh, we are now in the era of the Empire, which is so well done. If I've had one complaint, it's not about the episode or story itself. It was just that we're several episodes into the season now. We're, um, as of this week, nine episodes, and only one episode has featured Crosshair so far. So I was kind of hoping yeah, it's and a little weird. He was going to be in the story, and he wasn't. So hopefully he has a big presence in the final few episodes, but... Uh, I'm starting to miss his presence <laughs> over the course of the season. Um, so especially with s- such big stories focusing on the clones. And I'm sure that's not totally done as we get closer to the end of the season. I just really hope and kind of expecting to at this point 
that he'll play a bigger role as we get towards the end of season two. But um, yeah, these episodes were just fantastic. And we knew they had the potential to be really good just based off the fact of their episode titles and how they were being released um, two episodes at the same time. And it was the mid-season point. And yeah, they just didn't disappoint in moving that story forward. So yeah, I absolutely loved these two-part episodes of The Clone Conspiracy and Truths and Consequences. Just Star Wars, Star Wars storytelling at its finest, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to now seeing what Crosshair's kind of reaction to this is. Yes. Um, because, I mean, so far we've seen him where basically other clones are becoming disillusioned with the Empire, realizing that the Empire, you know, is kind of no longer seeing usefulness in the clones and they're being replaced by the stormtroopers and crosshair is like, no, I'm the best at what I do. I'm still useful. I still, you know, have a, like, he's determined to prove his usefulness to the empire and to, um, you know, prove his loyalty and prove that he belongs. And it's like, if, if you weren't convinced before, I don't know what is going to convince you more than Palpatine getting up on a podium in front of the entire Senate and saying, we don't need clone troopers anymore. It's time for the, the era of the Imperial Stormtrooper. Um, Especially, too, um, when how the reason that he gives to the Senate because of that, how he's saying because of the clone troopers undying loyalty to follow orders. They didn't uh, has they didn't hesitate to question this order to destroy their own city. So they we can't use an army like that anymore, or put our trust in an army like that anymore. Type of thing, spinning it again to his advantage to get yeah. what he wants out of that. Um, especially with Crosshair, his whole purpose of staying with the Empire is being a soldier who does nothing but follow orders, and that's the reason why. Palpatine no longer no longer wants to use clone troopers. At least that's the front he's putting out. Because I actually wanted to ask you about that too, because for so long we've always heard how, and I think maybe even Dave Filoni said this in interviews way way back, where when you would the question would come up, why did the Empire go to stormtroopers and not continue to use the clones? And it was because the clones showed more of a personality and more of an independence than they were expecting, uh, taking on some traits of the Jedi and. They weren't going to be soldiers who were just blindly loyal to the Empire. And they felt um, enlisting, using propaganda and enlisting citizens to sign up and recruit those would be more loyal than the clones that were uh, created for the Clone Wars. But obviously, that's the op he gives the opposite reason to why he wants to replace the clones with stormtroopers. Do you think that's just a front he's giving to the Senate to do that? And it's really the yes. reasons that we've heard before and why they don't want to use clones anymore yeah i think it's multiple factors i think a it's cheaper you know why yes. spend you know I, i'm sure you know cloning an entire army and and feeding and maintaining them and everything is you know not cost effective um but you know he needed to do that for the clone wars to get an army quickly uh that he could basically pull out of thin air when the separatist threat rose and create you know, a, a situation that was so dire for the galaxy that they wouldn't really look into the origins of the clone army too closely. They would just say, hey, we need an army. Here's one right here. And, you know, we need to go start this war to, uh, you know, present or to prevent the separatists from, you know, tearing the galaxy apart. Um, so it's like it's it's 
cheaper to not use clone troopers. Also, the war is over. So, I mean, we all know that stormtroopers are inferior to clone troopers as far as their military training and their, you know, just basic ability to hit things and whatnot. Um, but you don't necessarily need that in a time when, you know, there's not a war going on. Now, obviously, another war starts with the Galactic Civil War and everything. And the fact that, you know, you've just got these, um, you know, conscripted stormtroopers is probably part of the reason why the Empire loses. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like, you know, really, stormtroopers are sort of more of just a, a symbol of fear and control and you don't need to be paying all this money to clone, you know, these elite soldiers because you have a war to win against a dangerous enemy. It's really just about having bodies in suits to, you know, keep the peace and maintain control. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, I think especially over the course of these past couple seasons of Bad Batch, we've seen, we see, you know, we start from Order 66 and we see the clones with their absolute programmed loyalty to the Empire. And then we see the cracks start to show with hauser and with cody and with wilco and all these other clones who start defecting and start removing their chips and obviously the bad batch themselves and rex and you know stuff like that um because these guys you know are, are being forced into service to the empire because of the way that they were programmed with their chips and everything and once all that starts wearing off they realize oh we're just being used as tools and we're not actually uh, you know, we're, we're not fighting the same fight for like the good of the Republic, like we thought we used to be doing. Um, and, but you're right. I mean, Palpatine with all his propaganda and stuff, he can just spin this message about like, Hey, our empire is great and it's for order and peace and security. And we need people who believe in the empire to help protect that order and peace and security. And you're going to get willing, able-bodied people to step up and do that for free, as opposed to having to create these, you know, spend all these credits on you know creating these super soldiers that you have to program to follow orders and then they may grow a conscience and disobey those orders anyways so mm. um yeah i think for all of those reasons like it makes sense why the empire makes the switch to clone troopers and yes definitely i think here uh palpatine is absolutely like throwing the clones under the bus um and just kind of putting on a front as far as you know the whole thing of like oh well yes like rampart did this but the clones went along with it you know knowingly and so like they're dangerous and can't be trusted because they also you know followed orders to fire on their own home like you don't think imperial stormtroopers would have done that like <laughs> right whoever the empire has you know under their control in that situation is you know would have done that regardless um i think well and here's the other thing too and this is what i love about the end of that episode is when the Bad Batch goes back and, you know, they're talking about it afterwards. I think it's Hunter who's like, man, we played right into Palpatine's hands. Like, you know, we thought we won, but we just did what he wanted all along. And I like it. Obviously, it makes sense from their perspective. But I think that was definitely a sort of a contingency plan by Palpatine um and sort of some some quick thinking and kind of taking a loss and twisting it into a win because palpatine's so good at doing that just like twisting any situation to fit his <laughs> needs because i think if he could have had it his way i think his plan a was to just have rampart convince the senate that stormtroopers would be more effective than clone troopers for all the reasons that i just listed um but um you know, so then it's just when the Bad Batch defeats Rampart, when they 
they, they find that evidence to incriminate him and bring it to Senator Chuchi. And she's able to say, Hey, actually this Rampart guy is, you know, he killed all these Kaminoans and he's bad and can't be trusted. And so we shouldn't listen to his plan. The Palpatine's able to say, you know, again, he, he sort of his plan B, his, his backup strategy is to then throw Rampart and the clones under the bus make them take the fall for it to still end up getting what he wants. Um, which, you know, again, I love, you know, you talked about the, the downfall of Rampart as well. Like I was hoping he would get his comeuppance um, from a clone or something like that. But also like, I love, I, I kind of love it this way too, because it's so, you know, sort of anticlimactic for him, but also so fitting yeah. Um, that he's got all these ambitions and and thinks he's hot stuff. And really, at the end of the day, anybody that's going along with Palpatine's plans, like you may, again, you may think you have a seat at the table. You may think that you're proving yourself useful and, uh, you know, invaluable, but really you're expendable. You're just a cog in the machine and Palpatine can easily swap you out for another cog in the machine that he thinks is going to run a little bit better. Um, or, you know, he's, he's going to do whatever he has to do to keep himself on top and, you know, achieve his goals and will, uh, you know, cheat or backstab or manipulate, um, any one of his underlings that he needs to, to get it. So again, I think if their initial plan had worked out, I think if the bad batch had not succeeded in their mission, um, then I think Rampart would have been successful. I think his vote would have gone through. I think they would have gotten the stormtroopers anyways, um, but the fact that the Bad Batch, you know, foiled his plan, uh, you know, was able to get that evidence that painted Rampart in a bad light and Palpatine was just able to get up and go, yeah, you're right. Rampart is a war criminal and we'll arrest him and we'll deal with him. But the clones went along with it, too. And so as much as I hate to agree with him, like he's right that we can't trust clone troopers. Uh, so we need the stormtroopers. And, you know, just like he's so good at manipulating situations like that. Um, and I love just the fact that like the fact that Palpatine is so, so powerful, so manipulative, gets so many things to go his way. It's not just because he's, you know, a, a good, you know, planner and, and manipulator and puppet master and like gets everything to go his way. It's because when things don't go his way, he's good at adapting to the situation and yeah. turning <laughs> losses into victories and, um, you know, again, he can, you can get your incriminating evidence, put it on the Senate floor and he can still make himself come out, you know, looking better, you know, on top at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, just fantastic stuff there for him. It's always, you know, just, just great to see him, um, you know, just work his magic like that. And then of course, you know, having Ian McDermott voicing him again, it was just perfect. So, um, yeah, that was just, that was some great stuff. Another thing I think about too is just as far as the whole thing is wanting to get citizens of the galaxy recruiting instead of clone troopers. I mean, because we knew this all started from Tarkin in the premiere episode of The Bad Batch and how it would be cheaper, more beneficial for this empire not to use clones anymore. But I wonder if it's kind of Palpatine, this is faith in Tarkin is the main reason why he wants to see this too, because if that's what Tarkin really feels is what's needed necessary. It would be better for this empire because we know how kind of high up in the food chain Tarkin is um, up in the empire and compared and just in his rankings after Palpatine, he's pretty high up there, obviously. So I wonder if it's mainly like his trust or 
or his faith in Tarkin that this is kind of what really is not his motivation to do it, but kind of why he wants to see it through kind of thing. Well, if my, one of my right-hand men, so to speak, I mean, Vader is the real right-hand man of Palpatine, but Tarkin is not too far behind that. It's just like, if he thinks this is going to be best and wants to see it done, then I'll make sure that it gets done. If I have to do it, if it's, if it's something that I have to intervene in to do, then I will do it. Um, because uh, if Tarkin feels this is the right thing to do and best for the Empire, then it shall be done, so to speak. Because um, after Tarkin was showed up in the first few episodes of the premiere, he just left it all up to Rampart, and then that was kind of it. So the fact that, again, Palpatine got involved to see this act officially uh, pass through in the Senate uh, is a pretty big deal if he personally had to make an appearance and do it. But this part of me wonders if it is because mainly this is something that Tarkin truly believes in more than anybody uh, in the Empire when you're talking about really high-ranking Imperial officers. Yeah, it could be. Um, but I also, th- I mean, you're right. The fact that Palpatine showed up personally to to get this done, again, also maybe shows a little bit of desperation on his part. You know, the fact that they said, like, he never shows up. And again, mm. like, I think if if Rampart had been successful, I don't think Palpatine shows up for that vote. Of course. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, he, he sort of needed to show up to salvage the situation to still push his plan through and it required a, a last minute in-person appearance um, kind of says something about how much he wants it. And yes, maybe it's something that Tarkin pushed for, but I also think I, like, it would make sense to me that this is also just part of Palpatine's grand scheme for the galaxy. Um, because, you know, I mean, you've got like the Death Star and the TIE Defender and all these different, you know, sort of weapon programs and stuff that all his different admirals and stuff are bringing to him. But I think using stormtroopers over clone troopers, that seems like a big enough thing that um, Palpatine would sort of have a uh, a personal investment in. Um, I mean, heck, he, you know, he masterminded the creation of the clone army, too. And so I think, you know, I think maybe the decision to to switch that up. Um, even though Tarkin was the one pushing forward in season one, like that to me seems like more of a, uh, I don't know, a Palpatine thing from up mm-hmm. top. Now, obviously it's, you know, it's one of those things where like we have to be headed in that direction because of the, of the original trilogy. So it's just kind of one of those pre like predetermined kind of things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think this was, uh, yeah, I think this was part of his plan specifically all along. Yeah, I mean, more than likely it's so, but just the fact that it was Tarkin at the beginning got this ball rolling from the get-go. I mean, he could have been obviously sent there and to knock down on orders from Palpatine, but it just really felt like this was kind of his baby to kind of see through when you watch those uh, premiere episodes again, which made me think as far as like, you know, this really uh, like more so for Tarkin to, like this is more for Palpatine to make sure that Tarkin uh, sees this through or I should say Palpatine sees it through for Tarkin because of, you know, how his trust in him and just how high ranking he is and how close he is to uh, the emperor in the grand scheme of things in the empire. So uh, just a thought that kind of crossed my mind as I was watching the events unfold um, when Palpatine showed up in the Senate and not a hint of Tarkin at all this season from that. So, but he was the one who initiated this whole thing. So yeah, just some fun stuff to think about as (laughs) this, whole thing unfolded over the course of these two episodes and just finally see it come to fruition where the clone troopers are no longer recognized as the soldiers of the republic or the empire now it's just uh 
it, it sucks to see it unfold but again it's just a story that's being told so so well done <laughs> which yeah which is why you're making makes it feel like it's really suck to see when you see it all happen because it's being told so great yeah and it'll be interesting to see you know sort of what the fallout is from this going forward like i said you know for crosshair specifically but also just now seeing how are the rest of the clones going to react to this and uh you know we keep speculating about a potential clone rebellion or something like that so um yeah i don't know i'm excited to see uh obviously I, you know for the rest of the season i know we're still going to get a lot of episodes focused on the bad batch like we did for the next episode which was um really just kind of more of a, a character focused episode dealing with the fallout of echo leaving and uh specifically with uh omega and tech and the different ways that they kind of process their emotions and going through that um yeah which is great. so obviously like the show is called the bad batch and you know most of it's going to be focused on those characters but i'm excited for when we get back to uh just seeing more clones like Rex and Cody. And obviously, you know, we know that Rex and Echo were off on some secret mission now, and I hope we get to see some of that and uh, really see like, you know, what are the clones going to do about this? Are they going to accept their fate and just kind of fade off into obscurity? Are they going to try to fight the empire? Um, And, you know, I want to see what, uh, what Rex is up to and, you know, kind of see where all this goes. Um, so yeah, excited to see where they go for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, those two episodes were just fantastic. Like you said, it was really cool seeing uh, Ryo Chuchi again. Um, man, I don't, like I love her in Clone Wars and especially in that first episode that she's in Trespass. Um, so she was like a perfect character character to bring back for this and show that mm-hmm. you know even now that it's the Imperial Senate that some of these senators still are obviously. Uh, you know, good-hearted people fighting for, you know, the good of the galaxy. And um, I was so scared for her in this episode, like when, you know, she would get bold and go up to Rampart and be like, oh, I'm on to you. And then, you know, you got assassins coming after her and stuff. I was like, oh, please don't kill her off in these episodes. Yeah. So I was that's glad other... that she... Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm just going to say that's the other layer to this uh, episode we had talked about, how the bounty, that assassin was a clone trooper that Rampart was using and just like what would make the clone trooper work for Rampart knowing what he was doing like what could he possibly how could he be possibly so disillusioned to what's going on that he would actually uh, be okay with killing his fellow brothers for someone who could care less about the clones and wants to see him done away with so yeah that's another layer to the this whole story that just makes you think and I wanted to find out more about but of course he ends up uh, killing himself before he could be interrogated by Rex, but that was that definitely took me by surprise when they revealed who that assassin was. Well, yeah, and that makes me wonder because obviously this was a new clone, but like he had very much a similar mentality to Crosshair because Crosshair does the same thing. Like he takes orders from Rampart and believes in the Empire and all that. And so um, I don't know, but there's a part of me thinks I don't know if Crosshair would kill his like fellow clones i mean he kind of acts like that he would but i still think there's that part of him deep down where it's like he wouldn't go to that far to the extreme especially kind of with the relationship he has had with the bad batch but uh you're right though but there's just a part of me that thinks crosshair wouldn't go that far down the line to follow the those orders from rampart to kill his own brothers but you can make i mean <laughs> you can definitely make the argument the other way around too just how much he just keeps saying how soldiers follow orders, soldiers follow orders. But I like to think that that would be the one thing that would kind of break that for him where he wouldn't go through with it. But because why yeah. you would think Rampart would have used Crosshair for a job like that. 
Right. Well, and I mean, he could have been brainwashed somehow. I mean, this could be some sort of experimental training program or something. Um, but I do also wonder if there might even be some conflict among the clones, like as we see now the Empire trying to phase them out and we see, uh, you know, Rex and Echo and these guys, you know, trying to kind of create a network of, of clones that want to try to do something about this. Um, and, you know, well, I say, you know, clones that are like sort of losing faith in the Empire, but now it's kind of like, well, now they all have reason to lose faith in the Empire because the Empire has clearly lost faith in them. But will we see that there are still, you know, sort of a faction of clones that still are loyal, that sort of don't see things that way and that see things more the way that Crosshair does? Um, or are they all just going to kind of now be like, oh, well, screw the Empire? Mm -hmm. um, Which I hope is the case. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope that's the case. But I mean, yeah, whatever is going on with this clone assassin guy, like I doubt he's the only one of his kind. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um i don't know if we see more like him and and kind of find out what his deal was because like i said it also seems like it maybe could be like kind of a pet project of ramparts where he's mm -hmm. kind of grooming these particular group of like clone assassins or whatever but now rampart is going to jail or getting executed or something and you know at least it seems like um and so unless palpatine is gonna just sort of like publicly throw rampart under the bus and then keep him around behind the scenes and let him keep doing what he's doing um but also i mean he seems like the type that you know palpatine easily would just like you know discard that guy and replace him with somebody else yeah. so i wonder you know what does that mean for crosshair and for these clone assassins and anything else that rampart specifically was cooking up like is any of that stuff going to come to fruition is it just over now um so yeah, lots of potential interesting fallout from that. Um, but I I mean, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of of that type of clone, or at least I hope we haven't, or at least we get some more answers about, you know, what that guy was all about. Um, One yeah, worry we'll I do have, though, about you know, clones and crosshair maybe moving away from the Empire because of this, like this being the last straw. If he decides, like, he's fed up with the Empire, he's going to leave, and he disregards his helmet and his uniform that he had with the Empire. It's like, don't go that far, Crosshair. You got to keep that. <laughs> I mean, you're, uh, the armor you had during the Republic when, uh, with the Bad Batch and those uh, Clone Wars episodes in the first episode, it's cool, but not on the same level as your Imperial armor. I mean, you have to keep that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'll get rid of it. Oh, that, maybe he'll, maybe, maybe he'll pull a Kylo Ren and smash it. <laughs> oh no, don't do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to get back to Crosshair and kind of see how he processes all of this. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, it was it was cool to see uh, Senator Chuchi again, and like you said, see her you know standing up for the rights of these clones, and I just love how um, I talked about this on Rebel Cells. I love that this like just sort of how much this episode was like dealing with the aftermath of things that we had seen in season one of the bad batch and in clone wars. Um, Cause as much as I loved clone wars, that was one thing that I felt like we didn't get much of because we were constantly bouncing around between all these different story arcs um, was like, you would have something big happen like the Umbara arc, for instance, where I was like, this seems like something that would have pretty big ramifications. 
And I want to see like, okay, how do the Jedi react to finding out that clone troopers killed a Jedi? How does the Senate react to finding out that a Jedi went AWOL and was making his clone troops kill each other? Like, how does Anakin react to finding out yeah. that, you know, Krell took over his unit and got a bunch of them wiped out? You know, how does Palpatine react to this? Was this all part of his plan or did Krell really just kind of go off the rails and even Palpatine didn't know about this? Um, there were times when stuff like that happened when I really would have loved to kind of dig more into like the aftermath and the way that it affected different characters and stuff. But like the Clone Wars didn't really have time to to address kind of more of that nitty gritty type stuff because it was always like off to the next adventure, off to the next story arc, off to the next planet. Um, so I really love the fact that like, uh, you know, with these two episodes, we are dealing with like political, essentially the political fallout of the clone wars. It's like, okay, well the war's over. We've got this clone army. And if we're going to phase them out and not use these guys as the, you know, the main army of the empire anymore than like, what do we do with them? We got to still make sure that they have rights as citizens and they have, you know, benefits and they're taken care of and stuff like that. Um, and also dealing with the, uh, the fallout from the end of bad batch season one, where they destroyed Camino and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean to the rest of the galaxy? Like, do they know what happened? How would they react to that? So I really like those kind of interconnected stories and just seeing, the aftermath of big events and seeing like the political fallout and how different characters, you know, deal with, with the things that have happened. So, um, and I just thought these two episodes did a, a phenomenal job on touching on all of that stuff. I think between Clone Wars and Bad Batch, this was some of the most interesting political storylines we've ever had. Um, as far as just scenes where people are having debates Definitely. in the Senate and stuff. It was funny because like, it had a similar vibe to some of my least favorite episodes of Clone Wars um, where you'd have, you know, an episode where like they're in the Senate arguing about like banking regulations or like the interest rates on their loans or something like that. Um, and then you'd have it balanced out with an action scene, but it was like a goofy scene where like Padme's getting chased on a speeder bike by some like fish alien bounty hunters or something. Um, whereas in this episode, I felt like the political drama was like really, uh, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. Like you could sort of each side had their clearly defined objectives. You could kind of tell like who was arguing for what and why different things would make sense to different people. Like it was easy to follow. Um, certainly had some relatable parallels to like some of our own, you know, real world political situations. Um, and then you're balancing that with like some really fun and interesting action scenes with like the bad batch raiding ramparts cruiser and stuff like that. And even, you know, Chuchi uh, and her guards trying to outrun this assassin and Rex showing up to save them and stuff. So it was just a really good blend of like cool and interesting action scenes and really interesting and uh, engaging, you know, political drama and character drama and just dealing with, uh, you know, fallout from all these big events that we've seen happen. So um, yeah, I just thought these episodes were really well written and well made and, uh, just, yeah, like I said, some of the best episodes, if not the best episodes of Bad Batch that we've gotten so far, in my opinion. Definitely can make that argument. And yeah, while I still feel season one is probably the stronger season, in my opinion, overall, but season two is filled with some all-timers, all-time episodes already in Star Wars animation between the Solitary Clone and these two, I mean, these are some of the best Star Wars stories you've got. 
you're going to get an animation and they're both in the season of the bad batch so um it's definitely has that going for it and hopefully there's more to come by the time we get to the end of season two yeah definitely and also i mean some of the best animation they've ever done just in terms of the you know the the lighting and the environments and the characters and all that kind of stuff like they just keep raising the bar on the animation but also some of the best uh score work that we've ever heard from kevin kiner and his team on these shows um gosh i love the music in those two episodes especially like they brought back uh the the theme that i guess you could call it you know senator chuchi's theme that um we heard in clone wars in that trespass episode like they brought brought that theme back uh when she was introduced in these episodes and just some really beautiful kind of reworkings of like the clone theme from clone wars and the bad batch theme um you know kind of woven throughout different scenes especially the the last scene of the episode where echo leaves Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of has his emotional moment with Omega. Like I, ex- I kind of expected Echo to leave by the end. You know, they had kind of planted those seeds earlier in the episode, and you know, you you still see him more kind of at odds with the rest of the Bad Batch, where he's like, "No, we need to be out there, like with Rex, you know, kind of fighting the fight and helping more of our brothers and stuff." And it's clear that like he's on a different path from the rest of them. Um, I just expected to get to the end of the episode and maybe kind of have him come to that conclusion and like say goodbye to everyone. I was kind of surprised where it's like, Oh, he's already come to this decision and he's already told all of them except Omega. So like mm-hmm. Hunter and tech and record like already knew that he was leaving. Um, but at the same time, I guess it kind of makes sense because then that made room for him to just have that heart to heart moment with Omega, as opposed to having to kind of explain himself to all the rest of them. Um So like that alone didn't really catch me off guard, but it was like, it was really the music in that scene. And it was like the most beautiful and emotional rendition of the clone theme that I've ever heard that I was like, Oh, this is hitting me in the gut way more than I expected it to. Um, So yeah, that was just beautifully well done. Um, And same with the, the next episode too. Um, The gosh, the one that just came out yesterday and I'm already blanking on the name of it. The crossing. crossing. um yeah yeah that also was a really cool episode and even though it was um you know it it was kind of back to like a an adventure of the week type episode with the bad batch where there wasn't really any like big plot stuff going on as far as like the empire and the rest of the clones and everything um but some really good character development and character moments in that episode and also just some fantastic animation and music as well so um that was also a pretty good one um but yeah. yeah, I like I I would agree with you that like I think up to this point in the season, I think season one just had a little bit more progression of different storylines. Like we had definitely seen more of Crosshair, and it was like, uh, you know, you had the Bad Batch still kind of like finding their footing and you know starting to work with Sid and go off on these different missions, and at the same time you had Crosshair like getting his squad together with the Empire and. Um, you know, kind of seeing more of how things were progressing on their side. So I feel like there was a little bit more sort of momentum and progression uh, of the story up to this point in the season in season one. Um, Whereas season two has at some points kind of just felt like some, some random one-off episodes, but um, obviously the solitary clone was fantastic. And then um, the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences also excellent episodes and then uh the crossing was just a really nice sort of emotional follow-up to um to those episodes as well so definitely been some good stuff in season two and i'm hoping that they can finish off strong with these last few episodes coming up 
Yep, totally agree. I thought it was a, such a smart move, and it's a great way to continue off of where we left on truth and consequences to just have an episode focusing on the aftermath and just how members of the Bad Batch are dealing with the departure of Echo, especially Omega, and then how it hers is so different to how Tech is reacting to it. I, I just like how Hunter and kind of Wrecker were calling out Tech for for his like dismissive attitude towards that, and just saying he has to. He was kind of blaming Wrecker. For, for most of their problems in for why they get stuck but yet then he's the one who's causing the most problems with how omega is feeling and just not understanding how she feels that way and just then that moment they had and near the end which is really great and just telling her how he deals with things that doesn't mean he doesn't feel it any less than anyone else which is a great uh way um for him to express himself and just it's a very relatable conversation between the two of them because we do know not everyone deals with certain things and events in life the same way and everyone reacts to it differently but does that mean um it like hurts any less or um they don't feel it as any less than someone else does so just great character moments throughout this episode and um, looks like it's going to continue because didn't expect this one to be a two-parter as well but obviously they're still stranded on that planet and the marauder is still stolen so We'll see how they get it back and get off and hopefully with some more great character stuff between the Bad Batch, which I'm pretty confident we'll be getting in this next episode to the story. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, you know, like we said, enjoying the season for sure. Um, looking forward to uh, what's coming up next. And it's crazy to think that, you know, by the end of this season of Bad Batch, we're going to also be well into Mando as well. Um, in fact, I think they're ending around the same time. I think Bad Batch still ends first, especially since the season finale, we've got another two-parter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, having those two overlapping and being on at the same time is going to be nuts. I wish it was Bad Batch on Wednesdays and Mando on Fridays. Um, that would be ideal. Because, <laughs> I mean, be look, awesome. as much as I'm enjoying Bad Batch, like, once Mando comes out bad batch is on the back burner like sorry i'm still gonna be watching it but like it's gonna be like watch the new episode of mando twice and then be like oh yeah there's bad badge too um but uh yeah no i'm i'm definitely enjoying you know looking forward to uh enjoying the ride for the rest of the season and um yeah it's just you know it's it's wild that we live in this time where we've got this much star wars content going on at once um and then, you know, again, when once these two shows wrap up, then we've got Jedi Survivor, we've got Vision Season 2, we've got, you know, Ahsoka coming up sometime soon. It's just the ride is not stopping anytime soon. So, um, yeah, good times. It's, it's Wouldn't crazy. have it any other way. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think that's uh, it's pretty much a good point to wrap up our discussion on Bad Batch and Mando and all this other stuff um and we didn't really do any uh put out any poll questions or anything like that on social media this time right yeah that's on me <laughs> i'm sorry I didn't oh that's all right we're recording on this one but yeah i mean um, this was it, again we're trying to just stick to our, our schedule of every couple weeks so honestly i'm kind of surprised we went this long on this episode because i was kind of thinking oh we don't have a whole lot to talk about tonight but obviously we can take any star wars topic and turn it into a decent length episode um, and it was fun to just kind of recap all this stuff and, and kind of build up our excitement for, uh, Mando with that being right around the corner. But, um, 
you know, definitely when that comes out, you know, we'll be hitting you guys up for your reactions and uh, sharing those on the episodes as well. But if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Star Wars TSC. Uh, check us out on Facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. Uh, check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. And uh, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and, uh, you know, send us your thoughts, comments, questions. Uh, anything like that. If you want to share, you know, speculations or theories about Mando season three and what you're hoping to see, uh, you know, we could read some of those as well. So I'm um, always glad to hear from you guys and get to interact with you and, uh, you know, share our different thoughts on, on all this great star Wars stuff. Um, but that's going to do it for now. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. And we will see you again in a couple weeks for the premiere of Mando season three. I cannot wait. That's going to be super exciting. And I'm sure we'll probably be back to like a three hour episode for that one. But um, (laughs) until then, uh, thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. Yep. See you next time, everybody. And yes, now that this conversation is over with the bad batch, I did order that uh, black series crosshair figure. So (laughs) this this conversation seals the deal. So (laughs) perfect bookend to the episode, right? Yes. So next time we record, I'll have that beautiful looking figure in my hand. So yes, I'm excited. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, take care, everybody. See you next time, everybody.